But I don't know about you, but I kind of want things like yesterday. Like, I'm, I'm kind of really impatient. Don't know if you've ever picked that up from me. Um, like, I'm that, that kind of person that I do like one workout or like I eat one healthy meal and I'm there in front of the mirror expecting to see results straight away. I'm joking. Uh, uh. But you kind of, you need to trust the process with that sort of thing, don't you? But I'm kind of impatient. Um, but I do know better. I have, my body might not show it, but I do have a BTEC level three in sports, fitness and coaching. Um, not that I can remember any of it. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> it was a great, I saw you at Kenny's too. <laughs> That wasn't the healthy meal. <laughs> you dobbed me in, Richard. Kenny's is a very good chip, fish and chip shop. It's dangerously close to our new house. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's just me. I think we live in a culture of where we just want things instantly. Like, a lot of the debt that actually we, we often get into, personal debt we often get into, there are other reasons for it as well, but often it's because we want an item, we want something, and we want it now. And we're willing to pay the extra interest because we want it now. It might be a car. I want it right now, so I'm willing to pay the extra for it or furniture or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's in terms of stuff like your career. You see someone in a position or you see someone's lifestyle and you're like, I want to be like them. I want their position and I want the promotions. I want the money, whatever it might be. But I don't really want to do the hard yards to get there. I just want to reach the top without realizing that without walking the road that often the people have, to, have done to get there in the first place. Or maybe it's like you see that perfect family, and I want that family, but I'm not willing to do the, the, the discipline and, the, and the, the, the habits and, the, and all of that that go with it. Or maybe we're actually we're just seeing what everyone wants us to see when it comes to families, and we don't see the real reality behind the doors so often. Whatever it might be, so often we just want, and we're quite, we're quite impatient. We don't like the process of things. Uh, for us, this was our story, you've probably heard the story before, but for our long journey of trying to buy a new house, it took si- over six months from the day that we put an offer in to us finally getting the house. And for, throughout that six months, every single week, I was calling up estate agents, calling up solicitors, trying to sort of move things along. And, and I know that, that patience is a fruit of the spirit where I've definitely grown in it, but I've got a long way to go in it. And, but it was, and it was so hard sort of going and waiting for, throughout that whole time. And, and we were blessed to live at Becky's grandma's, but it wasn't our own home. And it was extremely retro. And then you'd have the periods where you'd sort of think, oh, the, the onward purchase seems to be moving forward. Then they would suddenly pull out of it and sort of your rug would be pulled from under your feet. And you'd be like, ah, oh, man, what's going on here? And then we'd start getting advice. And I think the people in the room that started to advise us about it, and, and it's great advice, it was like, are you sure this is the right house? Are you sure they're not just pulling you like just like like pulling you along for the ride, taking taking you for a ride, and aren't ever going to move? And and or and, and we even started to look at different houses, and we were having all these questions and doubts. And eventually, it all came through. But it, we started to get a bit uh, impatient. But actually, God's given us the house, even though it took far longer than we wanted for it to happen. The same with uh, Plant and Heart Church. We first sort of sense God calling us in 2019, so over three years ago, and some who were in the room will know I was a little bit impatient back then, uh, but COVID has, has been hard. COVID has, has hit everyone hard, right, and it's delayed lots of things, and it's been the same for us at Heart Church, but however, to be honest, if I, I, I wouldn't wish 
to have COVID, because I'm not saying that, obviously, and the whole, all, the da- all the negative sides of it. But I would say that as a team and as a place at Heart Church, we're in a much stronger place now than we would have been if we tried to launch back in September 2020, when we were originally sort of planning to launch. And even with Heart Church, we can be in a place where we're like, I just want to be that church of 50, 100, 200, whatever it might be, and I want to do it now without actually going through the process that God wants to take us on. I believe God does want us to, will will expand us and grow us uh, in breadth and depth. But actually there's a process that God wants to take us through as part of that growing journey. And we are 35 days, as I've already said, from launch. This is our penultimate launch, pre-launch service. And we arrive at this moment in the series. I didn't quite plan on this. We're going to have a couple more messages. And and last time we looked at the call of Abraham, the promise that God gave him, and the response in Genesis 12. And this week's message is called No Shortcuts. Uh, go for it, Reuben. Um, no Shortcuts. Because what we see going on from here is we see Abraham and Lot, his nephew, they, they separate. And then Abraham has to go and rescue Lot because he's been captured and taken off to Sodom. Uh, and he goes and rescues him. And then we get to chapter 15. And we see that there's another promise that is given to Abraham. And it says this in chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, You've given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So he's had this original promise of of a land and being blessed and being a great nation, that God's protection, and then um, that God God will um, bless all the nations through them. And then he gives him this promise that his descendants will outnumber the stars. I think that's such an incredible picture that God sort of says, takes him outside and says, try and count them. This is how massive my promise is to you. This is the impact of your promise. You can't even count the stars. Uh, hopefully you can tell just about still from my accent at least that I'm originally from London and uh, my mum's family are all from Devon and every sort of school holiday we would always go down to Devon and I always remember as a child being able to look up in the sky and see the stars and when I was in London occasionally you might but you'd always have the pollution and the light pollution and it was never the same it was like there was two different skies it was the same sky I always remember like, when it was like being a child and we'd just go and lay at a beach or something and just look up at the, the night sky and just see all these incredible stars. I just imagine Abraham just there looking up at this clear sky. No light pollution or anything like that back then, obviously. And just seeing all these stars and the promise of God saying, your descendants will outnumber all of these. Such an incredible promise, isn't it? And so he's, he's given this promise of these descendants. And then we, after this promise comes, there's a covenant between, and this ser- covenant ceremony that happens between Abraham and God. And there's these cutting of animals and this covenant ceremony. You can read about it. And so just to say, I'm going to really skim over some stuff here. 
to get, hopefully so you can see the thread that I believe God wants to show us today. And then he has this promise from God, this incredible promise that he will have a son that will inherit and sort of take on his family line. And then he decides that God's taking a bit too long. And they start to take things, him and his wife, into their own hands. So we read in chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So he goes and sleeps with, uh, with, with Hagar. She becomes pregnant. And things start to get really messy. So Hagar then starts to uh, falls out with Sarai. And Hagar runs off. And, and Hagar does have a son called Ishmael. And then eventually Hagar comes back because God speaks to her. And, but it's all really, really messy. They've tried to shortcut the promise of God, trying to take things into their own hands. Trying to think, maybe they kind of think they're doing the right things. But they're trying to shortcut to the promises of God. Then we jump forward from chapter 16. If you're taking notes, we're going all over the place a bit. Later. The chapter 18. So chapter 18, we read in chapter 18, verse 9 to 15. What happens is that Abraham is, is there and he's, he has these three visitors that come to visit him. Um, some say they might be the Holy Tr- the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some say they're angels. Either way, it's pretty cool that these three visitors come to meet him and, and, they, and they, so he hosts them, they start to have a meal together. And this is the conversation that we see them having. It says in verse 19, Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was sort of eavesdropping, was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Sarah and, and, sorry, Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord, that's talking about Abraham, is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why didn't Sarah laugh and say, Will I have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. So after all this time, after sort of trying to shortcut to the promises of God, the, the, these visitors, these visitors from heaven, whether they're God himself or whether they are angels, promise and say, look, that promise I gave you all those years ago, it's going to happen. By next year, when I come back, she will have a son. But I think the reality is we can all be a little bit like Sarah sometimes. When we, when, when we hear God promise us something or call us to something, sometimes if we're honest, over, over time we can, if we're honest, when it doesn't happen as quickly as we might want to, we might feel like laughing at God. Going, God, are you sure? Like, God, there's so many circumstances that count against your promise that actually we can sometimes look at ourselves thinking, God can't use me. Maybe you start to think, maybe I'm past my best before days. I'm, I'm past my use by days. For God, that we can start to laugh at him and go, can God really do that through me in my life, in my circumstances? I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it easier to believe God, believe the promises of God for other people sometimes than I do myself. And we see this going on, and I'm like, I totally can get it. 
humanly speaking, she's past the age where she should be able to have children. And yet these visitors say, look, you're, you're going to have children. By this time next year, you will have a child. So we're going to skip again a couple of chapters into chapter 21 and verses 1 to 7, where we see this. It says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as the Lord, as, the, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and anyone, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she, she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would, would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. We see that God is faithful to his original promise. Even in all the messiness from before. Even when they're trying to shortcut it and they try and take it into their own hands. Even when she's laughing at God, saying, can God really use me? God is faithful to his promise. If he said it, he will do it. And Isaac is born. There's a very brief overview of all that's gone on in that sort of journey of the promise and then all that goes on in between. That the promise being given to them and the promise being realized. So I just want to speak about two really quick things in light of that this afternoon. Firstly, there are no shortcuts to the promises of God. There are no shortcuts to the promises of God. Now, I, I want to say I believe in miracles. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, <laughs> I do believe in miracles. I believe that there are times where God will intervene miraculously at times. I believe in signs and wonders. I do, 100%. That does happen at times. Sometimes even a process before you reach to that point. But there are other times when God will call us to wait. God will call us to be patient. God will take us through a process before we see breakthrough in our lives. But so often, we want it to happen straight away. We hear God call us to something, or we hear a promise, or we, we want breakthrough in a certain area of our lives, and we want it to happen now. But sometimes God says no, or wait. Sometimes it's actually that God wants to teach you so much more through the process that you would never learn if he gave it to you straight away. I know that's so true in my own life, that God has sometimes made me wait and wait and wait. But actually through those times, as I was sharing earlier, it's where he's been teaching me patience. It's where he's been changing my character. It's where he's been making me more like him. And it's hard. It's frustrating when you've got to wait. But actually we can't skip the process of what God wants to do in our life. We can't skip to... The, the call of God in our life. Sometimes we see other people and we say, oh, I want to be like them. Sometimes we don't realize what that person's been through to get to that place in the first place. We can't skip to the promises. We, we can't have everything immediately. We see so often in the Bible, yes, we see the miraculous. Yes, we see the immediate. But so many times we see the slow burn process. We see people having to cry out to God and God answers their prayer, but it doesn't always happen straight away. 
But we can often, if we're in those situations, be like Sarah and Abraham. And we can try and take things into our own hands and say, right, God, if you're not doing it, you've told me it's going to happen, so I'm going to try and manipulate the situation. Or I'm going to try and do it in my own strength, as if God is kind of not able to do it without you. Now, I want to encourage you, yes, we can be diligent and we should steward the gifts and the talents, the resources that we have. We should use what we've got in our hands. But we shouldn't be trying to take things into our own hands and try and make things happen when God is saying, just remain faithful. Keep being obedient. You know, sometimes we have the attitude of, whatever it costs, I'm going to get there before everyone else. I'm going to trample over everyone else to get to where God wants me to be. Or like, that's the world's attitude, isn't it? Like, I'm going to trample over anybody else I can to get to where I'm, so I can get to the top. But I don't think that's the way God works. I think so often, actually, we can be faithful with what we have and let God be the one who promotes us when he wants to. We serve well. We, 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 we remain faithful. Whatever, sometimes it's going to cost us. Whatever the process it might be, we trust the God of the process. Because actually God so often wants to mold you and shape you, even when it's really hard to be patient. There are no shortcuts to the promises of God. Secondly, and finally, just two things. God is faithful even when we are faithless. God is faithful even when we are faithless. I just want to encourage some of us that we just need to keep trusting in God. That even when you do muck up, even when you do laugh at him, even when you do try and take things into your own hands, God is the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh, and I could keep going on. God is the God of second chances. You know, there's so many times where we might want to laugh at God and we might even be now going, God, you can't use me. You can't use us. You can't change this situation in my life. And you're laughing and going, you can't do it. I think God would say to us, as he did to Abraham, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for him? Who would have, I love what, uh, how Sarah says, who would have said that Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. I love that. Who would have said that God could, who would have said it bar God? Is anything too hard for him? Yet so often we can be faithless. But how faithful is our God even in those moments when we are faithless? Even in those moments when we do just want to laugh and we go, God, I think you've mucked, God, you've got it wrong this time. You can't use me, you can't use them, you can't break through in this situation. And we start to laugh at him, right? And as I was sitting in my office this morning just doing some final prep for for this, I started to think, who would have said so many things about me? Like, I was, a lot of you guys, this, well, I was going to say, you know, Dan in this stage of life, but some of you have seen me for the last 10 years, and hopefully you've seen the development and the ma- elements of maturity. I can't say fully maturity, uh, but you've seen me change over that period. But you didn't know me when I was, like, in school. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't want to be hearing me preach. Um, like, I, I recently, I went to a Church of England high school so recently, a couple of years ago, my mum sent me a job application, um, not that I was ever going to go for it, for the chaplain at the school. She said, why don't you just send one in to see what the head teacher says? 
when because it's a still, still the same head teacher to see what they say when they see Dan Croning applying for a chaplain job. Um, I was really tempted, uh, but I, I didn't. Um, but I, I, I was thinking, like, who would say that Dan Cronin would be in the situation that he's in now? And I'm not saying this because, oh, big up Dan Cronin, look how amazing he is. But who would have thought that I would be in this? I certainly don't think this, that I'd be in a situation I'm in now, married with two kids, that who would have thought I'd be two modules and a dissertation away from a degree? The guy who got kicked out of English in half my subjects and somehow got some GCSEs. Like, who would have thought that I would be ordained, leading a church, planting a church? I certainly didn't. And so often we can start to laugh at God, like, I laugh sometimes. Like, God, like, what, look what God has done in my life. Look what he's done even when I've been so faithless at times. He's been so faithful to me. And we see that in this story, don't we? We see that even though they try and shortcut, even though they start, he says, oh, look, don't sleep with your wife, go and get another wife. And and stick with her instead and make her pregnant and shortcut the promises of God. Even when they're laughing at God. He is so faithful to his promise. We've got to remember that nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for him. I don't know how that applies into your life right now. I'm sure there'll be situations that instantly might spring to mind when you're like, God... What about this situation? And God would say, nothing's too hard for me. You might think, oh, well, I'm beyond use. I'm beyond my use by day. I'm beyond my, uh, by my best before. God can't use me. God can't use me to be part of a church planting team. I, I'm too old. I've not got the skills. I'm too broken, whatever it might be. I'm too busy. Life's too hectic. God can't use me. Maybe you might be thinking that in your own life. Like, what can I do? I, I'm over the hill. I, I'm too whatever. I, I'm too broken. <coughs> too messed up. I've, I've let God down too many times. God can't use me. God would say to each and every one of us, nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is too hard for me. There are no shortcuts to the promises of God. It's a process. Now the process does start with first of all saying yes to Jesus and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. But there's no shortcuts to the promises of God. And God is faithful even when we are faithless. I think uh, for some of us, the thing that God wants to really say to you is that I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet. You might think I am. You might count yourself out. But I'm not finished with you yet. You might think you're too old, you're too young, you're too whatever, too broken, too messed up. But God's not finished with you yet. God still got, while you still got breath in your lungs, God still got purposes and plans for you. The God who is so faithful even when we are faithless. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit and maybe God has been speaking to you this afternoon. I want to encourage you just to be open to, to see if God might want to say anything else. Maybe God wants to encourage you or 
remind you of something that I've said, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak to each one of us. What are you saying to us? What are you saying through your word today? God, I thank you for speaking to us this afternoon. I thank you for each person here. God, that you're not finished with any of us. God, that you are so faithful to each and every one of us. Even when we are faithless, even when sometimes we laugh at you and the promises and the call of God that you have on our lives. God, I pray that you will help each and every one of us know that you're not finished with us yet. That nothing is too hard for you. God, whatever you've been speaking to us this afternoon, may, may it take deep root in our lives. May you continue to challenge or encourage or convict us throughout this week. May it not be snatched away, God. But may it bear fruit. God, we pray in Jesus' name.